Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. We pray, Father God, that your spirit would just come upon us all, that we might fall on our knees and call you Lord, that you would be our master and savior, Lord of everything in our life, Lord of peace. You have given us all things and we have not served you with gladness. We still have, Lord, lack of contentment in our hearts, O oh Lord. Even you give and give and give and give and we're never satisfied, Lord. But today we've come to the house of God and we want to understand what you have le left for us, Lord, what we have in you, this great, rich, wealthy provisions of vast resources of worship, oh God. And that's what makes us a powerful people because we have a powerful God. And we pray that your peace would surpass all understanding this morning, that your word might be like a good seed planted in a good heart that would give forth good fruit, oh God. And give you thanks that your word is like a lamp unto our feet. We're able to see things from your perspective. It's like a double-edged sword that pierces our heart and confronts us with who you are. We pray that we would stand before you blameless because of the sacrifice of Christ on the cross who's forgiven us all our sins so that we might serve you with gladness, oh God, and be your ministers of peace. Bless and prosper your word in the hearts of your people all over the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If we don't pass things down, the next generation won't get them. And if one of the reasons why we don't have what we were supposed to have is because the generation that went before us, they lost their way and did not pass it down to us. And that's why I'm very zealous. And people that know my walk in the things of the Lord, I'm intense. Why? Because I don't want my kids to lose what I have. I want to hang out with people that honor God, people that serve God, people that follow his commands. This is an instruction booklet. Uh, people wonder all the time what the word Bible means. B-I-B-L-E. And somebody said one time, basic instructions before leaving earth. Each one of those letters stands for a word. Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth. And so we started reading the Bible about 28 years ago, and we started learning a whole bunch of things that we didn't even know. This thing about bring a sacrifice of praise to the house of the Lord, what is that? Let me ask you something. Did you come here today to receive something? The vast majority of people that go to church nowadays is that they might get something. And they'll even leave the church when they say, I just don't get anything out of that place anymore. Well, guess what? That's not what church is about. Church is a place where you come to give God what is his. You come with a different mentality. You come with the vast wealth and riches of God's blessing upon you. And you're going to present yourself before God and say, God, all this that I have, it was you that gave it to me. And I want to honor you and I want to show you my appreciation and gratefulness. Many times we're hoarding, we're taking, we're taking, we're saying, give me, give me, my name is Jimmy. Give me, give me. I want more and more. And there's never a time where we say, hey, time out. All this stuff is coming from someplace. And it's coming from the heavens. God makes it to rain upon the wicked and the righteous. Some people say, well, that guy doesn't go to church. Why does he have so much? Because of God's mercy, grace, because of God's goodness. Every breath that we take is a gift of God. If you go to God, 
like that. A friend of mine went to go see a man at the hospital yesterday. He says, he can't breathe no more. He's 500 pounds. He has to have an oxygen mask. They're going to open up a hole right here so he could get some air. Well, guess what? The next breath that you take, remember this. God gave it to you. God gave you the ability to breathe. That's why it says in Psalm 150, let everything that breathes praise the Lord. If you have a responsibility, if you're on God's lifeline and oxygen schedule, you can praise him at least, at least minimally um, as you remember that you have breath. Um, do you guys know what it costs to buy oxygen nowadays? Some people that hang out with an oxygen tank. Next time you see one, go up to them and say, hey, how much does that cost? So you see how many tubes you're using up and you'll be able to appreciate how wealthy you are. But listen what happens. We've lost our way because of men who were not able to pass down the great wealth of the resources God has lived, left for us. Um, remember this, my dad didn't come to the Lord till he was 49. So the greater part of his life was all about living without understanding God, without knowing God, without serving God in according to the word of God. He tried to do his best according to his own philosophy. But when we started reading the Bible, we started realizing what church is all about. We used to go to church for 15 minutes on Sunday. That's not church. Church is what we're having this morning. We're calling the timeout during a busy work schedule and we're getting to know the heart of God. Amen. And we're lining ourselves up with the God of heaven. That's church. Place that God visits. Place that God pours out blessing and he pours out peace. And so we've, we lost that and we started recovering it when my dad decided to serve the Lord. When we came to the Lord, my mom, my sister, one at a time, we all came. First it was my mom uh, with, through my aunt who's back there. She was the first one in our family to go to a Christian church. And she brought my mom, and then my mom brought my sister, and, and they brought me and my brother, and then my dad came to figure out where we were going, and then my older brother, Raul, who today is a pastor. He's, he serves the Lord. Um, this gentleman uh, was the last one in our family to come to the Lord. And then we married girls who had an incredible history of honoring God and reading the Bible. I think Yvette... Um, you know, she, she's a Christian right out of the hospital. They took her from the hospital straight to church. And, um, and so that's the type of woman I asked God for, a woman that loved God, a woman that honored God. And uh, it's a blessing of peace. But that's not always the case. Look what it says in Jude chapter 1, verse 3. We have an incredible responsibility. I'm going to try and go quick, because uh, I know some of you are worried. Um, and we only have about 25 minutes. Here it goes. Ready? It says, beloved, this is, this is Jesus' little brother, Jude, in the Bible. He writes a letter. It's called Jude. It's only one chapter long. Beloved, I'm writing to you very diligently. It means I, I really want you to get this. And this is, um, he says, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I was going to write to you about being a Christian. Hmm. I decided more necessary to write to you to talk about a more important subject. I'm not going to talk about salvation. While I was going to do that, then I decided I'm going to write to you about something more necessary. And he says, so that you contend. That word contend is where the word contender comes from. You know, you defend, you box, and you fight. You contend earnestly. What's earnestly means? That you're going to do it like with all you have, with all your energy. You're going to do it with all the fervency of spirit. You're going to be a warrior for the Lord. 
You contend earnestly for what? For the faith, for this belief system, for, for how to relate with God, with how to walk with God, how to know God. If you don't fight for your faith, you know it'll be taken and tore up and you'll lose it. You know that what you don't protect and defend and fight for, you'll lose it. That's why this country has been so great. It has decided to fight for freedom, fight for liberty. And it's cost us the blood of countless millions of people that have defended our right to be a free people. Because other nations wanted to enslave us. They wanted to put cruel dictators. They wanted us to force us to do what happened in Cuba. You, you have to do what we tell you to do. And so they come under this, this great system of oppression. So he says, fight for the faith, which was once, say with me, delivered. What's that mean? Once passed down. It was, it was here you go, and pass it down. It was, it was given to us, um, delivered to the saints. Talking about believers. In the old days, those that, that were set apart for God were called saints. Uh, and when Paul writes his letter to the Corinthians, he says, I write to the saints that meet in Corinth. That, those believers that met in that city of Corinth. Um, and so this is the scenario, he says, earnestly contend or contend earnestly for the faith that was delivered to all saints. Why would we have to fight for our faith? I'll tell you why we have to fight for our faith. The other day I was in Islas Canarias. I told you that last week. My brother Louis invited me to have un cafecito. And when we sit in there, the guy next to me had just left his wife. He has two kids. He has a 10-year-old and a 6-year-old. And he has his cell phone number, and he is showing a friend of his some naked girlfriends that he has. And then the, his friend's wife comes in, and he puts away the cell phone. And he's not showing his, wife's, his friend's wife the pictures that he took that weekend. He's divorced from his wife. He has two kids. So I said, I can't see this happening in front of me and not going to tell the guy he's a jerk. I mean that he needs the Lord. So I said, brother, do you understand that you're your children's hero and that the greatest thing a dad could do to his children is to love their mom? And he looks at me, and now he's not wanting to put the cell phone away. He wants to crawl under the counter because I'm telling him, you're out of gas. You're, you're not doing what's right before the Lord, and you're going to be the one to suffer. Well, that broke out a huge discussion because everybody on the counter got demon-possessed, including the waitress, and they said, well, that's not bad, and when my, if I had kids, I'd take them to a strip club too. I was like, thank God you don't have kids. She's not married. She's, she's not, her life is not going well. But, you know, everybody started disrupting and just saturating and killing faith. And that's obviously outside. That people, they don't, if you hang out with the Bible, people make fun of you. Hang out with a six-pack and people, hey, man, come over. Ah. You show up, the next time you go to a party, bring your Bible. Guarantee you, everybody will be like, You go in with a six-pack and everybody's celebrating you like there's no... You go in with this, with wives, obey your husbands. You're like... Okay, so outside, they're destroying faith. They've stripped us. That's why we don't have it. That's why we've lost it. We don't know how to be men of God. We don't know how to be women of God. We don't know how to honor the marriage covenant. We don't, we don't know a lot of things. But he says, fight earnestly, 
contend. You want to know why he's telling us to do that? He doesn't say go blow up an abortion clinic. He doesn't say go into Isla Canaria like I did, like a madman, and pick a fight with 50 Cubans. No, 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 no. He's writing to the church. Because inside the church, verse 4, inside the church, certain men have crept in unnoticed. He's saying, get ready to defend these things because it's no longer that this, these things are taken from us and stolen out in the world. People have come in here and want to make fun of us when we respect our husbands. They want to make fun of us when we serve our wives. In here, in the house of God. Uh, your kids would be made fun of. There was one kid crept in here unnoticed and he told my eight-year-old boy who now is 16, he says, hey, Nick, when you turn 18, you don't have to listen to your dad anymore. He's eight years old and somebody crept in here telling my son that when he grows up, he doesn't have to honor me no more. So I was bathing Nick or I was helping him at the bathroom when he was eight and I brought him a towel or something. And when I came in, he says, hey, dad, so-and-so at the church today told me when I turn 18, I don't have to listen to you no more. That was like a dagger in my heart. I was like, who would do that in the house of God? And I said, I said, son, at the time I was 35, I said, son, I'm 35 and I still listen to dad. I still listen to my dad. And there's a communication line and, and we, can, we can talk. And so you'll always be able to follow my example and you'll always be able to listen and respect and honor me. But certain men have crept into the house of God and they'll tell you not to respect your husband and the pastor's too radical and the word of God has been changed and translated. We don't have to listen. And all these things are happening inside the house of God. Certain men have crept in long ago and they're marked out for destruction. These guys have no hope of ever turning because they're doing everything different than what God wants. Even in the house of God. They're ungodly men who are tried to turn the things of God, the grace of God, into lewdness, and they deny. This, this, the word lewdness there is sensual. These are Christians that live according to their feelings. They don't live according to God's feelings. When you're an emotional Christian, you'll wait for something to get you upset on your emotional level, and you'll decide to get up and to leave. That's not a spirit-driven person. That's a carnal Christian. It's a sensual Christian. I want to tell you what Derek Prince says about these type of Christians. He says like this. It's a little bit intense, but Derek Prince was always intense. I want to follow his example. He says like this. Who cares what you think? Nobody cares. God does not care what you think. God does not care what you want, and God does not care how you feel. That's not the life of a Christian. You know where all that went? What you think, what you care, and what you feel? Right here. You're crucified with Christ. He said, not my will, thine be done. So a true Christian is him who grabs his feelings, his thoughts, and his desires and crucifies them up there. So What for? So that he can feel, think, and do, and want what God wants. Because when you feel and when you think and when you do what God wants, you're a real Christian and you're going to do the will of God. So Derek Prince says like this, and he says, remember it was Derek Prince, don't quote me on this. He says, who cares what you think, what you feel, or what you want? You are crucified with Christ. You should be concerning yourself on what God feels, what God thinks, and what God wants. He says, I don't want to love my husband. Listen, I don't care. God wants you to. 
And if you're a real Christian, you're going to want to do more of what God wants than what you want. And so what you think, what you feel, and what you want are not important. What God thinks, what he feels, what he wants, that's what a Christian is pursuing. I'm not pursuing what I want in this world. I want to pursue what God wants. So faith and worship is following the heart of God. And this is what this man is saying. Be careful with the ones who have come in the church and they're walking in the sensual, emotional carnal. A friend of mine stole from the church and then he came and he says, I thought you were my friend. I said, brother, you're my friend, all right, but that doesn't mean you could steal. Our friendship has nothing to do with what God wants and what God desires. So don't think that if we're chummy, chummy, chummy and buddy, buddy, buddies, the church becomes whatever you want it to be. And, and so many churches are nowadays because these men have crept in and they're doing more. And pastors, pastors are doing more of what the people feel, what the people think and what the people want than what God wants and thinks. When, when they wrote my book, uh, R.T. Kendall wrote a foreword on my book, which is a recommendation by a famous author. He's a best-selling author. He says, Joaquin is more interested in what God wants than what the people want. And that causes me to have problems. That's why this is not a humongous church. Because we're living in a day and an age where people do not want to hear the word of God. They're so overwhelmed by their own thoughts, by Paris Hilton and Angelina Jolie and I'm Brad Pitt and how many kids are now. Uh, listen to me. We're so overwhelmed by what we think, by what we want and what, where we're doing that we have decided to say, God, get out of our life. We don't want to hear you. We don't want to feel you. And we do not want to walk in your ways. That's not a Christian. And I don't care if you come to church. If you don't crucify your wants, your desires, and your thoughts, you'll never be a Christian. So true Christianity is walking not in the sensual lust. And look what it says in Jude 3 again. He says these people are ungodly and they pervert the grace of God into sensuality. And, and what does it say there? Um, verse 4. It says... Certain men have crept in and they've turned the grace of God from emotional, I mean from, from they, they've turned it into emotionalism, denying. That means that they don't want any part of Christ being Lord in their life. Understand that, that our relationship is, he's the master, we're his servants. He's not your butler. He's not to, you're not to shake a little lamp and whew, three bushes, what do you want me to do this week for you? No, 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 what do what does he want you to do for him? Not what you want him to do for you. Do we got that correct? He's the master. He's the Lord. We're his servants. We bow down and call him Lord. That's a true Christian. So in that context, I want to just discuss real quickly. I got 10 minutes. I want you to understand that legitimate faith and worship, listen, if, if you're going to worship and and Walk in faith is trying to find out the heart of God. When my mom was having problems with my dad 28 years ago and she went to the church leaders of the religion she practiced, they said, get rid of the old man. He's a stinker. <laughs> that was the top guy in that religious order. The Monsignor, God knows what. And she sat before him. She says, he doesn't take care of me. And, he, and everything was true. But guess what? God had a different opinion. And when we were able to get the heart of God, he healed their marriage. He blessed them. He prospered them. They're here today. They serve God. 
And so they have peace, they have joy. And so that is true faith, trying to follow the heart of God. You know what the heart of God is in this word of faith that we've been handed down? I'm just going to say that because it's so important and we've missed it. In a selfish society where independence is proclaimed, unity is sacrificed. If we're going to have genuine faith and we're going to have a genuine worship, could you look next to you? That's what it's all about. How can you become joined with your brother because the faith that we've been handed down has a principle in Psalm 133 and we were talking about that on Wednesday in Psalm 133 it says behold how good and blessed it is for the brethren to dwell together why is it so important for the brethren to dwell together Psalm 133 behold how good how incredible pleasurably it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity Listen, you have all these other faiths. The guy climbs a, a mountain. He's up at the top of the mountain all by himself going, Om, Om. That's not our faith. Our faith is rich in the unity of dwelling together with the brethren. I hate my brethren. Can't stand other people. I want to be alone. I wish I could be on an island with nobody on there. Listen, you need the Spirit of God on you. You need to convert. You need to give your heart to Christ. Because the hallmark of the Christian is, I can't live without my brothers and sisters. I can't live apart from the body of Christ. I, listen to me, I need you. Sometimes I get phone calls and say, Pastor, I won't be coming to church today. I really don't need to go. And I'm like, I'm the pastor. I might not need to go either. But you know so the truth of my heart is and why I became a pastor? I need my brothers. I need the church. I love the gathering of God's people. In fact, God says wherever two or more of you come together in his name, he's there. Two or more and Jesus is there. So whenever we gather together, God told me once this is his favorite place in all the earth, the gathering of his people. He doesn't miss a service. He never misses a service. It's never too late. It's never too early. He'll always be at every single one of the gatherings of his people. And if that's his heart, that's the heart he wants us to have. Why? The next verse says like this. For it is like the oil that runs upon the head of the high priest. It comes down. The blessings of God running down the edge of his garments. Verse 3. It says it's like a dew. I mean, when you, can you feel it this morning? You feel like God just raining it upon us since, since the first song? It's just coming down from heaven. It's like the dew that comes from Mount Sion. For it is in that place, say with me, that God commands blessing and a large life. When we came to the Lord, when we came to the house of God, that's when the Molina family took off to greatness. That's when we started living life large. That's when my parents' marriage blew up and was amazingly, explosively blessed. And powerful. And their blessing became the blessings of over, listen to me, I'm not kidding, over 5,000 couples have been restored because my parents got back together. Isn't that powerful explosion? That unity just exploded off all my aunts, uncles, cousins, relatives, neighbors, far off lands. As many people as ever seen that have been blessed because two people decided to do it God's way. 
And it just blew up in large levels. So here, God commands this place of unity, there'll be blessing and there'll be an abundant life. So that's why unity is at the hallmark of our faith. Anything that comes up against the unity, the New Testament says, if anyone among you is divisive, is trying to break the unity, these are, I call them, atom bomb Christians. You know what they did when they split the atom? Destruction. Any Christian you see that's trying to divide and split the body of Christ, they're called dogs, they're mutilators, they're not, they don't have the spirit of God, they're only serving themselves, they don't understand the heart of God. They don't understand the Lord's table. They don't understand the worship God has given us. These guys, we have to contend and, and protect ourselves in that, in that regards. So unity being the, heart, the hallmark of faith, and that's why not coming to church services is a little bit edging on disunity. And, and I, you know, I'm sorry. I have to open up my heart here. Why is it that when we have cancer and tumors and we have problems, we want to run to God's people? And then when God heals us and we're healthy and stuff like that, we don't come to church. When everything is going good, when our businesses are booming, oh, I'm not going to church. Listen to me. I hope that you never have to run to church, that you're already here and you're able to have the brethren around you at times of adversity. Let's not let problems bring us to the house of God. Let's let blessing and powerful joy and peace be the cause why we come to rejoice here. But for some Christians, they always have to have Something difficult in their life because that's the only time they want to worship and serve the Lord. Let's not be like that. I have four minutes, but I have 40 minutes worth of notes. These people that were part of the faith movement since Jesus was on the earth, they called them. They were known all over Africa and Asia and Europe. They were called people of the book. People of the book. They didn't even know who these people are, but they all knew they carried around their Bible wherever they went. I want to ask you if they were to judge you based upon the carrying of the book, would you be considered a Christian today? I left it in my wife's car that I sold three months ago. Now, man, make sure that you are a legitimate Christian, that you carry the book, that you keep the commands of the Lord. These, this is how I know that you love me, Jesus says, that you would keep my commandments. Oh, I love the Lord. What is his commandments? I don't know what his commandments are, but I love him. No, you don't love him. Because he said, this is how you know that you love me if you keep my commandments. And so being close to the heart of God is being close to his word. He, Jesus, was the word made flesh. So he went up to heaven and we still have the word. We have something that is a solid anchor of our faith, which is we love the commandments of the Lord. They're not grievous to us. We don't sit there and say, ooh, no, not that one. No, no, we, we, we're people of the book. This is what Christians were known as. Nowadays, no one carries the Bible. They do not read it. They do not honor it. They do not live according to the book. They, they live according to the Wall Street Journal, the Medical Journal, the, 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 the Miami Herald. They, they got, got so much junk in their lives. What's this guy's name? The Power of Positive Thinking, Tony Robbins. I got all his books, all his tapes, his CDs uh, with his first, second, and third wife. I have them all. You're getting advice from a guy who's not blessed and prosperous? Take your advice from the Word of God. Blessed is the man, Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord. It's his meditation day and night. Whatever he does shall prosper and be blessed. If you line up your life, look what it says here. Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law, he meditates day and night. 
He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth fruit in their season. The leaf will never wither. Say with me, whatever he does shall prosper. You want to be a prosperous, successful, greatly blessed man? Get into the word of God. That's, that's left to us. Um, they've tried to destroy this book. Uh, the Mormons have changed it and want to give us the Book of Mormon. The Jehovah Witnesses have altered it, making hell no longer existing and Christ no longer God. They've been, they've been messing up the book to try to mess us up, but that's not in. In this book, it tells us in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, the faith that has been passed down once and for all is that one day a week shall be the day of the Lord. Exodus 20, verse 8. One day of the week it will be the day of the Lord. Remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. What's mean keep it holy? Keep it special. Don't treat it like any other day. Uh, I remember growing up when I was a little kid, I had my special shoes to go to the day of the Lord. I had my special pants. Nowadays, I just grab any, the, the jeans I wear yesterday, I'm going gonna, uh, gonna to go to church in my, my Tuesday afternoon or my Saturday morning mechanical jeans. I'm just going to just show up there and I'm going to praise God. Listen, keep it holy. Keep it special. Comb your hair. Take a bath. Use deodorant. Keep it special. What you don't do in the other days. Brush your teeth. Leviticus 23.3. This is the commandment that's been passed down. This Sabbath day, this day of the Lord is holy. Uh, Leviticus 23, 3. Six days you're going to work. I never work. Six days you're going to work. Six days. There's seven days in my work schedule where you're not keeping the faith. It's been stripped from you. Six days you're going to work, but the seventh day, it will be the Sabbath. It's going to be a day that you call a timeout and rest. What's rest? Only time I rest is when I go to a restroom, right? No, on the Sabbath, you're supposed to take a timeout. It's the day of the Lord. What do you do in that? It's a day of holy convocation. What's that? A special gathering. You're supposed to come together with God's people. You're supposed to receive God's word. It will prosper the coming week. The devil's trying to strip you of your marriage, strip you of your finances, put greed in your life, put selfishness, have time for nobody. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Nobody's going to have time for you. Nobody's going to want to be with you. But on the seventh day, we come to a holy place. We're gathered together. And, and just so if you didn't get it, six days you shall work. Some people don't know how to count. So he says, you shall do no work on it. That's for the retarded people. That's for the LD people like me, you know. You got to hear it twice. You shall not work on this day. Yeah, but I'm back. I'm back loaded. Listen, I don't care if you're front loaded. That day is the Lord's day. It's not your day. It's not your makeup day. It's not your day. It's the Lord's day. And make sure you give to the Lord what is the Lord's. You have no right to take what's not yours. You're a thief. You shall do no work on it. It's the Sabbath of the Lord. Wherever people gather. Um, I'm just the messenger. Don't get upset at me. You'd rather have a pastor who doesn't deliver the message? No, you want, you want to have access to the word of God. You know that the, the people of Israel, they decided to not keep the Sabbath. And all the bad things that came upon them were horrific. One pastor said like this, they were to stay one year 
for every day they missed of the Sabbath, so 400 years in Egypt as slaves because they did not honor the Sabbath. Wherever you don't honor the Sabbath, the devil has an area in your life where he can hold you his prisoner. You become a slave of the devil for every day of the Lord that you do not honor. And it's scary. I don't know how to do the math, but I see what is written in Isaiah 58, verse 13. Look what it says. And I've already passed my five minutes here, but it's for your benefit. Isaiah 58, 13 says, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, that means if you're going anywhere else that's not in keeping the word of the Lord from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight and a holy day, if you start enjoying what the Lord has set aside for him and for you, if you honor it, how do we honor the day of the Lord? Look what it says. The day of the Lord is honorable and shall honor him. How do I honor you, Lord? Not doing your own thing. That's how we honor the Lord. Not doing what you would want to do on this day. Fishing, the beach, uh, the park, the barbecue, staying in bed. All those things are not honoring the Lord's day. And you shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. It's not a day to go into the stock market and to find out how your investments are. It's not that day. Verse 14, but you shall delight in the Lord, then I will make you reach the highest. Listen, I will cause you to obtain the highest high upon the earth. You guys reading that with me? You guys are going to go to the heights of my purpose in you when you honor me. Those who honor me, I will honor, says the Lord. How many has got a good word from God this morning? They're saying, Lord, I need to be fed on this stuff. I don't want no more junk. I want the stuff that's going to bring me peace, prosper me, increase my walk with you. The mouth, could you say with me, the mouth of the Lord has spoken? It hasn't been the pastor. I'm just a messenger. I need to be preaching God's word. I hope you got God's word today because you will stand to benefit. The Bible says man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Hebrews 10, verse 25, do not forsake this aspect of gathering together because some of you have already made it your custom. So I'm used to missing on Sundays, man. You know, I go to church every six months one day. The devil's stripping you and you're stripping your children and you're stripping them of the blessing of God, which money can't buy. God help us thinking that we would be able to build our homes by denying the Lord. Forsaking the assembly of ourselves as some have a manner, a custom. But instead that we should exhort, that word exhort means call our attention to one another even more as you see the day of the Lord return. I want to close there in this aspect and we'll probably continue soon. But I think that, that we've been able to hear from God this morning. And I want to give you an opportunity to stand this morning and to say, I want to turn my heart back towards the heart of God. I want to do it God's way because I'm at the end of my own ways. I'm at the end of my own selfishness, my own justification, my own explaining why I've left my family stripped without God, without the foundations of faith, without being able to have the refreshing we've had this morning. I want to receive this world-changing inheritance of worship that's what we've been talking about this morning 
There's, there's a manner to live upon the earth that is unlike anybody else. Believers that honor God in unity, honor God in worship, honor God in bringing sacrifices to praise. Part of our worship is the portions of, of what God has given us during the work week. If we made $10,000, we bring $1,000 to the Lord. And we say, Lord, this is your tithe. This is your portion. I used to think that that was funny. I was like, why am I going to give God any money? Until I started seeing how much money God was giving me. And then I had to start saying, okay, Lord, you gave me 100, here goes 10. You gave me 1,000, here goes 100. Lord, you gave me 10,000, here goes 1,000. Lord, you gave me 20,000, here goes 2,000. And I started seeing my increase and my prosperity and my peace. And I would always come to honor God and say, God, you've been faithful to me. I want to be faithful to you. You have blessed me. I want to bless you. Because the majority of the time, we're taking all and we're spending it in our own pleasure. We're taking all and we're spilling it. And then the heavens dry up, the Bible says. The heavens dry up. Father, we give you thanks this morning for your word. We give you thanks, Lord, that your word brings us liberty. It brings us wholeness. Lord, we pray that we would be born again so we not fight against your word, but that we would love your commandments and understand that it is our lifeline to peace, to prosperity, to joy, to all the things you created us to experience, Lord. Father, we pray that the blood of Jesus would wash us away from our sins, from our rebellions and our disobedience, and that we might understand your ways and that you might heal our land and we might walk in the manner which pleases you every day of our life and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We give you thanks for your blessing and your prosperity upon your people, the abundance of peace you've given us to enjoy our wives, enjoy our children and marriages, our homes, our health, our finances, everything that you have brought into our life with blessing, with peace, with assurance, giving us courage and strength and your presence most of all, Lord. We want to serve the creator, not his creation. We want to serve the blesser and not the blessing. I give you thanks for how you have increased the measure of our possessions and our provision is perfect, Lord. Bless your people, Lord, and let their hearts turn back towards you They might serve you with gladness and honor you as you have desired. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.